podcast where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. My name is Garrett Hunt. And I'm producer Henry J. Tyler Chisholm is out. He's uh, he's in a tauntaun right now. We had to cut up in a tauntaun to make him stay warm for the night. What's a tauntaun? It's a Star Wars joke. Oh. He's on planet Hoth. Oh, great. I've revealed myself as a non-Star Wars fan. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today on episode number 95, which is brought to you by Milltown Credit Union. Check out their no annual fee Visa credit card with a low 9.5% rate. Some restrictions may apply. Learn more at MilltownCU.org. Or visit them at 3201 Broadway. So this is a very special episode of the Live and Ever podcast because the last time we talked to Cassie Franklin, she wasn't the mayor. And now she is. We caught up with her last week. Very excited to share that interview uh, with all of you. It's going to go a little long. This is going to be a long episode, but it's well worth it. She had a lot of great things to say um, ahead of the uh, city of Everett, the state of Everett address that happened a couple of days ago, too. So. Yep, we recorded this interview with her a couple days before uh, that State of Everett address. But uh, yeah, had a great interview with her. Uh, went a, a little bit long, which we were happy that we had that, that much time to chat with her and hear how her first year being mayor of Everett went. And uh, so we're going to keep today's uh, show a, a little bit shorter and just kind of focus on that interview. Uh, but before we jump into it, snow. It happened. I think it happened more than anybody ever expected it to, but... Everett, Everett is is Planet Hoth right now for all, all you Star Wars fans out there. It's it's crazy. When the big snow hit the other day, I felt like I had woken up in uh, like Minnesota or something like that. Right. I walked out because I, I live in a basement, right? So I only have one window and that window looks out into like just a fence. So I can't really see anything. And I walked out back because I knew that it snowed. And I was like, okay, how bad is it? And I walked out into the backyard and I was like, Holy crap. Like <laughs> what happened here? Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Have you gotten to uh, get out and play in it yet? No, I don't really have a lot of cold weather gear. So um, mm. I've been trying to avoid it as much as I, I possibly can. So you need to borrow a toque. I got an extra toque. You know, I have, I have toques. I don't have gloves. I, I realized that uh, today when I had to wipe my car off with all uh. the snow, I was just like, Oh boy, I should probably get some gloves. So those are on their way because it's going to snow tomorrow or no sorry it's going to snow friday saturday and then who knows what's going to happen after that it's just going to keep going the snowflakes are showing up on the iphone weather app like crazy yeah we'll see how it goes it's going to be uh it's going to be good so yeah stay warm don't stay safe yeah stay safe don't travel out too much at night it's going to get really really cold uh for the rest of this week it's going to get extremely icy i went to the grocery store last night um and it was wild out there. It's it's nutso. So be safe out there. And have fun. And have fun. Have fun and be safe. I used to say that when I was a radio DJ. So yeah, let's get into this interview with Mayor Cassie Franklin. Very, very excited. Let's take a listen. Let's do it. All right, Mayor Franklin, it is great to be here with you. I just want to start off. Um, we heard through the grapevine that you hate art and trees. So I thought maybe we could just start by talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, if I hated art and trees, my daughter would disown me. Um, She is very passionate about trees and um, and art, uh, in fact. So uh, I think that uh, I would I would have to argue with that statement. And um, I know we had to cut down the trees around City Hall It's because they were destroying the sidewalks. And we very much look forward to planting trees that will work well with our sidewalks Mm -hmm. and uh, make sure that this is a walkable community. But I definitely miss the trees, as does Panda. 
a few weeks ago when we were sitting, I heard you say, oh, I guess I hate trees and art today. <laughs> and I, th- I think about that sometimes and think about how hard it would be to be mayor because every day you're being accused of being against something or hating something. And I feel like uh, elected officials are uh, underappreciated. You know, you're targets for a lot of things. So uh, you're a good sport with that. I appreciate <laughs> that. Appreciate that. So speaking of hard decisions, mm-hmm. you've been mayor now for just over a year. It was January 2018 when you came into office, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, how was the first year? How's it been going? Uh, it's been amazing. It's been uh, a fantastic experience. The hardest job I've ever had. Absolutely also the most rewarding. And um, I think that um, I have been incredibly impressed by our team. I spent a lot of time this first year uh, trying to listen and learn from the 1,200 people that work here at the city of Everett mm. and really trying to meet all 1,200 of our team members. Have you been able to do that? I have. not. I, I, oh. I don't think I've met all 1,200. You know, Maybe they were out sick that day when I went to their team <laughs> meeting sure. or they were on a vacation or, or, or whatnot. I think a couple of them were like underground fixing something in our <laughs> our systems while I was meeting with the rest of their team. But it truly has um, been eye-opening and educational. You know, the city is a complicated business. We have all these different departments we're running, and, and so I really have to listen and learn from them. They are the experts, and they have been doing this work of running our city for years, and, and they often know best, and they had great ideas for uh, what we could work on, what we could improve, and um, really helped me understand the work better. Nice. What would you say the most rewarding part and the most challenging part has been so far? You know, um, it is very rewarding to... Um, be in a position to uh, make changes and improvements into the quality of life for our residents Mm -hmm. and that impacts so many people. And so being able to um, help make good decisions that impact so many lives, that's incredibly rewarding. Meeting people and having them be excited by what they're seeing has been really uh, fun and rewarding as well. it is a it is a big job. Uh, it is an incredibly big job, and it is twenty four seven in a way that I couldn't have possibly imagined. So I, I'd say that can be challenging. And then I, I'd say the other challenge is, is that uh, things move so much more slowly in government. Oh, yeah. I I um uh, uh, my team knows the pain. I, I try to move very fast. I like to move fast. I like um, to uh, see some you know positive progress, and and things move a little more slowly in government. And so that's been an adjustment for me. You mentioned you were surprised by how 24-7 it's been, and I, I imagine has dramatically affected your life. I'm, I'm curious how your life has changed uh, since becoming mayor. Um, I eat out, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is great. We have fantastic restaurants, and I think they all know me by name and what my favorite item is on the menu. But, um, I, you know, I it does take a lot of your time, and, and I work... Uh, anywhere between 10 to 14 hour days fairly consistently and and you 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 work all the time you're working on Saturday working on Sunday anytime you leave your house you're you're working and so that that impacts your life I love it so I love this job Mm -hmm. and I love the opportunity to serve the community and I love hearing from them and, and engaging with them whether it's in the line at the grocery store or parking my car somewhere 
So I appreciate the opportunity to do that. But I think it's it, it changes and impacts our life. I think my daughter chooses to go to the grocery store more often with dad than mom now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was one thing I was curious because I've seen you, you know, walking around downtown and stuff. And I wonder, like, how often people you know, just kind of randomly come up to you in public and say hello and stuff yeah, like that. Pretty often, pretty yeah. often. It's, it's great. It's great to, it's great to talk, you know, and once in a while it's really fun. You know, I'll, I'll have a, a, a child that says, are you are mayor or they'll want to, they'll want a photo. And that's, that's, that's cool. That's super fun. Super you know, cool. you're like, Oh, yay. and then is Panda like stoked that her mom's the mayor of the city. I think sometimes, and sometimes she's like, <laughs> you know, I just want to be a kid, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, she's, I, I think she's a little proud. Totally. It's kind of fun. Ever since I've known you, you've been, uh, in a leadership role. You were the CEO of cocoon house and now you're, uh, well then you were count, uh, city council and now mayor. And when did you know that you were, have you always been a leader? Or always been in leadership roles or had that kind of drive and personality? Yeah, I, I like to do good things. Mm-hmm. I like I like my job to have meaning. I, 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 I love to feel like I'm being a force of positive change in the community. So I think that kind of mm-hmm. puts folks into positions where they're leading at times. But I the way I lead is in team. So I never feel like I am alone in this work. It's always a, a team effort. And so I've often been in positions where I'm supporting the lead or, or I'm part of the leadership team. And I feel like that's the way we're doing it at the city as well. It's just trying to include the rest of the team in, in, in the work we're doing. So you are the very first elected female mayor of Everett. Um, what does that mean to you, if anything? You know, it... it it means a lot. It's it's a it's a pretty powerful feeling to to feel like great. You know, I can bring this new perspective and 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 um, share kind of that new approach, and and you know, uh, breaking through that that glass ceiling for other women around and and encouraging mm-hmm. other women to lead. You know, I, I like to you know going back to my daughter and thinking about um, other young girls that I know. I would love for them to see this as a an opportunity that uh, has no gender. So you can be boy or girl, and you can be mayor. You can be, you know, whatever you want to be. And and I think that, um, you know, if you I think about storybooks that I read when I was a kid. Mayors were always men. Mm-hmm. And so to yeah. to be able to say that, you know, maybe that won't be the case for for this next generation of kids when there's so, so many women leading cities around the region. That's that's exciting. But I really see it as an opportunity to to try to elevate more uh, women and and and. You know, we've got a number of uh, female directors at the city. Mm-hmm. I, I like meeting with them, hearing kind of their challenges as, as women in leadership and how we can create more opportunities for the women coming up behind all of us. And uh, I love it. Yeah. We talk about Everett being an inclusive place. Do you feel like that's been true for you being the first female mayor of Everett? Yes, at times. And at times, I think that we have a, a, a lot of room to improve. You know, I, I there's been times where I find I'm the only woman in the room. And I mm. say, you know, <laughs> I think we need to get some more perspectives on, on mm. this decision we're making. And, 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 you know, I think that we have work to do to include all voices at the table and, and make sure that we have all... Um, demographics whether it's race ethnicity uh income uh experience represented when we're making important decisions that impact our our residents and so uh, i think that that is uh, the work that we've been trying to um accomplish this year and i think it'll be a work in progress for for the years to come Mm -hmm. 
And uh, let's see, you used to run Cocoon House, a mm-hmm. local nonprofit, awesome nonprofit. Um, what's it been like making that transition, going from Cocoon House to the mayor's office? Yeah, you had mentioned that the pace of government is a lot slower. I'm curious what else is uh, how what else is different going from nonprofit to government. You know, it's it's actually been quite interesting. It's been I think Cocoon House was a good training ground for for this uh, role in many ways. Nonprofits are are complicated organizations to run, large and small. They're, they they have some complexities that the for profit um, organizations don't share, and and so I think it was a a, a good place to uh, uh, to gain some very relevant experience that translated well into stepping into this role. A, a lot of nonprofits receive government funding. When you're handling government dollars, things are uh, have to work very differently and and very publicly, and and so and and how you report on that and and document that is uh, important. So I have a I, I think I kind of walked in with a better understanding of fund accounting mm-hmm. and, and the way that the city has to to run the financial side. And so even though I, I, I am nowhere near the expert that our our, our directors and, and department heads in, in that um, part of our city are, um, I, I, I had some experience that translated well. And I think that um, the way nonprofits kind of rely on the community around them to, to be successful in the work, the city can't go it alone. We have to rely on the businesses, the nonprofits, our residents, neighboring jurisdictions, to be successful in whatever initiatives we're working on. And so that was kind of a natural way of me including those mm-hmm. voices in the work we're doing. When you were at Cocoon House, when you started at Cocoon House, did you, um, I'm sorry, when you became CEO of Cocoon House, was there a budget deficit then mm-hmm. too? There was. So it's the same thing. You came into the city at a time of a budget deficit. And um, I'm curious how that is going and what changes you're making and uh, how that experience translates. Yeah, I felt, uh, you know, I faced a, a budget deficit at Cocoon House um, that felt overwhelming at the time, but mm-hmm. it was a, a small uh, scale compared to the budget deficit we faced here at the at the city. But I, you know, I, I want to step back and say, you know, what, what we faced and what we, we're dealing with with the structural deficit is, is not unique to Everett. Cities around um, the state are, are, are struggling with this and, and, and um, you know, county governments. And, and so... We are um, trying to uh, tackle it in a way that um, protects the core services, the quality of life that we all enjoy, uh, the core services that people expect their government to provide them, and uh, but makes some some difficult decisions that that need to be made as we can't sustain everything for forever without the revenues to support it. And how do you make those difficult decisions? Because like you mentioned before, everything you're doing, it's it's so public. They're very hard decisions. Yeah, I mean, what's kind of the, the filter or thought process, I guess, that you approach those with? Um, well, first, uh, listening to the staff and um, uh, team that has been making these decisions behind the scenes the whole time, you know, trying to determine what parts of the services that we have to maintain no matter what. And thinking about what our residents expect their government to provide. I think if you were to ask a number of residents in our community, they, they want police to respond um, when they call 911 or fire. They want uh, a park that they can walk to that they feel safe. They want a, a street and a sidewalk that they feel safe driving on and walking on. And they want um, 
interesting things to do and, and see in their community. Uh, but they really want, a, you know, a kind of a general quality of life, and they want to know that their government is, is taking care of, of, of those basic resources for them. And so you, you take a look at that, and then you look at the uh, – the, the whole fabric of the community and, and the businesses and organizations that are there and think about what does the city provide, what do our partners provide, and how do all mm -hmm. of these systems together make the network we need, and where are there areas that we could improve our own efficiencies, maybe reduce here because there's partners that are doing some of that work. Um, and then all of this happens kind of in that public way. So as, as soon as you start to kind of ask those questions, the community weighs in. And um, and we, in our budget process, asked the community to weigh in early on and, and often and said, you know, you tell us what, what changes you think we could make to be more efficient. And then we have uh, conversations with the council. Uh, a lot of these things uh, lead into policy, and those are their decisions to make. We talk a lot about improved quality of life. How would you define that? Uh, it's a great question. I was just asked this at the Council of Neighborhoods last night, and and the funny thing is, is its uh, definitions is different for everybody, totally. right? Yeah. What might make a high quality of life for you might look very different for me. I have a dog now, so I want to, you know, I want a place where yeah, I can walk yeah. my dog. You know, yeah. before I was all cat, you know, and so <laughs> I think, you know, it's it, it it's different for yeah. for each person, and so uh, you know, great schools, um, great things to do, safe, yeah. and 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 so. Um, thinking about how we as a community and not just the city government, but all of our businesses, all of our partners and our residents as well, how are we all together working to ensure a high quality of life here in, in our city and region? Yeah, it's a loaded question because it's something I've been thinking a lot about in my work with, with Milltown Creative. But uh, as we look at quality of life and we know that Everett is going to grow and we want Everett to grow, right? So we have these quality of life amenities uh, and we asked Dan Ernesty when he was on the podcast too, how do you balance growth with gentrification uh, or bad gentrification? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've said this a, a few times. I think that uh, in Everett, we have the opportunity to get growth right. Um, you know, some of our partners uh, to the south have just been inundated with growth and they've, uh, you know, Seattle has completely lost certain neighborhoods to gentrification and they're completely changed and the residents that used to live there are no longer there, can't afford it. I think that because Everett hasn't experienced growth at the same rate, even though that has hurt us financially, it's an opportunity for now that we are growing, how do we plan for that growth in a way that protects the neighborhoods. I've been thinking about uh, a certain store. I wish I knew the name. It's in South Everett, and it's where I ordered my daughter's birthday cake. It's a Latino grocery store. They have a fantastic bakery, and and so um, you go in there, and you're like in this other world, this other beautiful, rich culture in our city. And so, how as that area of our city is growing in Central and South Everett, with the opportunity of Payne Field and kind of the focus that we'll be having in that area around growth and opportunity, how can we protect? that grocery store and that bakery and make sure that they're still thriving and the community that uh, frequents that store, that they are still uh, important, rich part of our community and add housing and density as we are going to grow. We are, residents will come. And if we don't plan for that growth, it will happen in a way that really harms neighborhoods. And so I think involving the neighborhoods in that work, um, being thoughtful, the, the reason that we created an Office of Community Planning and Economic Development and merged those functions together under kind of one roof is so that when we are planning for a new development that we're thinking and bringing the community with us. Um, 
when there's a community need that we're thinking about economic development opportunities that make sure that those um, individuals that are living in that area have those opportunities to to work and, and, and serve in their community as well. So I think having those departments work collaboratively will, will help ensure that um, we don't struggle with those same changes around growth. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question. Hi, I'm here too. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Henry. Hey, Henry. Hello. Um, so, you know, we're talking about growth and gentrification, things like that, and kind of learning from Seattle. Um, in a way, I, I've heard that like that uh, there might be more tech coming up to Everett. Um, I feel like te- like the tech industry is now like kind of like a dirty word out here, and it's kind <laughs> no. of scary because of what happened, you know, twenty five miles to the south. Um, so I guess I guess is that true? Is and if so, like what kinds of industry are being looked at to like come up here and, and make a home in Everett? Yeah, you know, I we we certainly want to. Res- uh, uh, protect the industries that we have, aerospace, manufacturing, healthcare, very key uh, core industries. But there's opportunities to invite other industry industries into our community that would be natural partners. And the tech industry is a natural partner in both of those areas. And, and partner like Funko, that's this creative, innovative um, uh, leader. And so I think that um, and then, of course, commercial air. We, you know, we have direct flights to uh, Silicon Valley and, and hubs in the in, in tech. And then, obviously, King County to the south. There's you know Amazon and Microsoft. They don't have to be dirty words that destroy your community because they're important partners. We all use technology. We're using technology right now to have this interview, right? And it's part of the fabric of our lives. So, how can we invite? industry partners into our community and set kind of the expectations of what that looks like how how are they going to help benefit our community provide jobs for our our residents not push residents out but ensure to bring our residents in Um, we have this workforce here we have higher education here we have outstanding schools wouldn't it be great if kids in those schools have pathways directly into the workforce where they could stay and live in this beautiful city and stay in this region and so you know, I think that um, being more thoughtful and planful and, and kind of setting those expectations and, and creating those partnerships early on before that kind of push out happens. Um, you mentioned Funko. Would yeah. you like to see more companies? I feel like I, I feel like Funko is, is a great asset to downtown. It is. Um, is that maybe that creative industry? Is that something that I the city has looked into? Absolutely. I would love to see some partners that would be natural fits to... Um, be in close proximity to Funko. And those are uh, opportunities that we're looking at and pursuing. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So speaking of um, growth and the, the ways that Everett is, is likely to change in, in the coming years, I, I know affordable housing is, is a big, a big thing. Um, what are the options that we have to try and create more affordable housing in the city? Uh, options are endless. The work here is huge. It was a, certainly a subject of conversation at the U.S. Conference of Mayors that I was just at. Every city is trying to, uh, you know, talk about this, struggles with how do we ensure affordability. Um, you know, the housing consortium has identified some, some opportunities and priorities. I think, uh, you know, for us, it's, you know, we have a lot of the incentives and in, in, in place to uh, support affordable development here um to so when uh, developers are coming into our community and and including affordable units in those developments that they're incentivized to do that so i think that we have a lot of those things in place but i i see one of our roles is um 
thinking about that long-term strategy as we look at our consolidating consolidated plan, updating that, um, trying to hit the growth targets here in the city, but also uh, the partners around the region, what are they doing in their community to kind of protect affordability and ensure additional incentives. And um, I see our role as, you know, kind of being a partner with Snohomish County Human Services, a partner with the Housing Consortium, and a, a leader in um, kind of working with other municipalities to um, ensure uh, continued development of affordable housing in the entire region. Um, and then uh, protecting it around transit corridors and you know transit-oriented development is uh, ideal for those um, affordable developments. Mm -hmm. I think also I I want to add you know we don't want islands of affordable housing. Mm. <laughs> we don't want to mm -hmm. say here here's where we have affordable housing and over here is where we have market rate. Healthy communities are are mixed mm -hmm. and mixed income and 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 it kind of brings everybody up and and raises all the ships and 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 families benefit from all the amenities that are that are in those communities and so making sure that those are the types of communities and developments that we're creating here in in the city because Everett is uh, somewhat unique in that we don't just need affordable housing which we desperately need so we desperately need affordable housing but we also need market rate housing and mm -hmm. everything in between and so making sure that we're developing housing at all price points in the city Let's move to districts cool. really quick. Yeah. Uh, curious, districts passed, voting districts passed. So can you explain practically what that means? Uh, it's going to change the way our city is governed. So it's, it's, it's pretty important. And I think that the, the process is going to be kicked off here very soon. We'll um, open up a, a application process for uh, districting commissioners. And the council will each appoint a commissioner. And I will appoint a commissioner. And then the commission itself will appoint a ninth commissioner and they will work with a districting master who um, will you know kind of draw the maps of how those district lines will be drawn we'll have five council members elected by district and two at large and um, so the positions one through five will be those district positions and as the commission kind of develops those maps there'll be a process for the community to weigh in um, and um, but it will you know kind of it will change the way folks approach uh, their electeds, I guess. You know, the districts will have a, a representative that is most likely going to be their go-to person. Mm -hmm. And then the at-large folks will, will work probably more closely with me to, you know, on kind of broader, more regional issues. And, and, and then we'll all work together on, on the policy decisions and, and work of, of taking care of the city. So I would encourage residents that are... Um, interested in this or even if you're not interested in it to pay attention to it because it is going to impact all of us mm -hmm. and change the way um you know our government works uh, with and for you um i'm curious since you've become mayor has your perspective of everett changed and if so how you know um well i just love it more and more every day but but uh in it, it's changed in that it's the funny thing is is i, I came from the nonprofit world and I um, kind of saw the nonprofit side of Everett, but as mayor, my perspective, I so appreciate the fabric of support that we have in our community in a different way. And the way our community collaborates and wraps its arms around each other to solve community issues. And as I've traveled to other parts of uh, the country, whether it's with National League of Cities or U.S. Conference of Mayors, other cities don't have this. Other cities do not have that type of uh, uh, partnership um, where 
where businesses and nonprofits and government and residents are all working for the betterment of their community. They, they wish and dream they had the, the type of um, supports and organizations and collaboration that we have. And so I guess my perspective is like, wow, we are really special in that. And I, that's something I might have taken a little bit more for granted coming from part of that area and part of the you know kind of collaborative and partnership of um, in the nonprofit world in our community, but I appreciate it all the more having um, heard and seen from other leaders that that really it's a gap in their communities. Hmm. What's something that you wish that more people knew about Everett? It's an amazing place. (laughs) I, um, you know, I, I, I joked about, you know, when, when I um, first moved here that I had to kind of convince my husband and family to move here and mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. wasn't top of his list of places to move because he had grown up in this part of the, you know, in Bothell and had, had this kind of negative view of, of Everett. And this is such an amazing place. And I think that I would love for our residents to help sing our praises and, and, and you know, we we are the Northwest's best kept secret and we really mm-hmm. shouldn't be. This is, you know, you look outside any day of the week, whether it's foggy or beautiful and sunny like it is today, and you've got mountains to the east and uh, water to the west and, and, and mountains as well and a walkable, livable city with everything you need and fun things to do every day of the week. And um, whether you are 80 or eight, um, this is a pretty cool place to be. And so I think... That is, um, yeah, what I what I wish more people knew about Everett. Agreed. <laughs> um, so, what do uh, you have a, about three more years in, in your term? Uh, what do the next few years look like? You know, I think um, in the coming years, uh, you know, we're trying to focus our efforts on on some core areas. Uh, you know, like I said, increasing and improving the quality of life. Um, economic vitality and and kind of housing and making sure that folks who live in Everett um, have opportunities in Everett and folks who have have work in Everett have opportunities to live in Everett, you know, kind of just making a a more rich, vibrant, uh, economically viable city, Um, looking at some mobility issues and how do we plan for to to move people through our city and goods uh, now and into the future how how are these transportation networks serving us but how are we responding to that changing world of transportation how people get from place to place in the city and and so we'll be focusing some energy and work there and then on um, workforce development and you know this is a front and center for businesses that you you talk to what do what are they worried about? What do they care about? And it's how can they ensure that the workforce of the future is here in our in our city? And that's what they're going to look at before they even locate here. So what are we doing to ensure that? That not only businesses that we already have have that uh, workforce, but that businesses that we're, we're trying to recruit, partners like Funko, that, that they see that workforce that they're going to need in their future here. And then for me, as somebody who worked in helping youth for, for so many years, how can we make sure that those young people see the opportunities here in their own backyard? And, you know, we are a job center, a major job center. So how do we help guide those young people into these outstanding careers and opportunities right here in, in our city? And, and so that, you know, that talent and, and, and uh, creativity stays here in, in our community. So I think those are going to be the, the core areas of focus. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all the questions we had. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. That's it for me. Do you have anything? 
No. Uh, else to say, any hot gossip or news to break on the Live in Everett <laughs> podcast? <laughs> I just love the Live in Everett podcast. Oh, cool. I, I, I can't Thank tell you. you how much I appreciate Thanks. it. It's like you're the, you know, what we, what I was just talking about, how, you know, what how do we want people to, what do we want people to know about Everett? We want people to listen to this. Cool. And, and they'll hear everything they want to know about Everett. So cool. We're going to cut that down. That'll be our new commercial for the Live in Everett <laughs> podcast. Yep, for real. Yeah. We're just going to loop that over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not awesome. uh, that's awesome thank you so much for taking the time it means a lot no thank you guys it's great to talk with you all bid your furnace farewell swap your old dog tired electric furnace for a new efficient heat pump for a limited time get enhanced rebates up to two thousand dollars heat pumps can reduce your heating cost by up to 50 percent plus they provide efficient cooling for the summer get started at snopud.com slash heating Help support Live in Everett with a donation to our Patreon. Even a dollar a month helps us deliver stories, videos, and this podcast about the good things in Everett every single week. If you want to know more, you can head over to our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash live in Everett to donate today and help support Live in Everett. Which, speaking of which, a couple recent folks that we wanted to give a quick thanks and shout out to, uh, Dallas Hunt and Flounderlicious Wah, uh, which... Dallas Hunt happens to be my brother, so thanks, bro. And uh, Flounderlicious Wah, it, it said on Patreon that was the name you had put in, so I'm assuming you wanted to go by that. Um, how so could you not? I, I apologize if you don't, but yeah, I mean, uh, apparently, how, how, yeah, it's it's quite a name there. Shout out to Flounderlicious Wah. Yeah, I like that. Really appreciate your guys' support. Thanks so much. And to Dallas, too. He's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for hanging out on the Live and Everett podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please help others discover it as well by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. If you'd like to drop us a line, you sure can. Podcast at liveandever.com or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to Oliver Alfarmi for our theme music. And to our producer, Henry J., as well as Mayor Franklin. For sure. And for the first time in 95 episodes, I get to say this. Good things happen in Everett, Washington because of you. So thank you so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great and safe week, everybody. Stay warm. This is why we're Everett till the grave.